Hello everybody, welcome back to Liza's Lab, and this week we are going to continue to discuss the umbrella of hip-hop dance and hip-hop culture, specifically looking at popping, locking, and crumping, uh, which are more West Coast styles, and we had three readings for this week that we will get into in just a minute. So the first reading was called Planet Funk by Santiago Freeman, and they discuss um, funk in jazz, like a general umbrella term for West Coast styles. So funk is used to describe popping, locking, and electric boogaloo, which are all separate styles that originated on the West Coast. Specifically, um, they developed on the streets of LA and Fresno, California. They were popularized when the Electric Boogaloo dance crew went on television. And this kind of started the commercialization and sometimes the combination of these terms. We often hear um, popping and locking used as um, one term or like hyphenated or just as sometimes they are interchangeable. And that is mainly because of this commercialization from the Electric Boogaloo dance crew is where it really started. However, these are each unique styles. Um, funk is different from the umbrella term of hip hop, which is also explained in this reading. Um, it is like kind of a subdivision of hip hop because hip hop is still part of the larger thing. And so we still see DJing, MCing, um, graffiti and breaking as um, part of the culture as a whole. But funk is specifically more of like a subdivision of that. Um, and funk dancers traditionally aren't as aggressive as breakers that are on the East Coast, uh, which is a clear division, I guess, is a way to kind of tell the difference in as in general terms. They are known, uh, funk dancers are known to be a little bit more friendlier, and they're also just a more playful when they engage in battles. Um, when we talked about breaking last week, it Im imitated war, and the goal was to almost embarrass the your opponent, whereas funk, you still want to outdo your opponent, and it's still um, a competitive atmosphere, but it's a lot more playful and a little bit more, just a different energy, really. Um, they're just as much into it, but it's more playful, more funny, and a little bit more performative than breaking is. The second reading was called Urban Legend by Windy, Windy Garofoli. And this kind of gets into the distinction between popping and locking a little bit more specifically. So locking originated on the West Coast by Don Campbell, and he started the Campbell Lock Dancers in 1973, which is a dance crew of lockers. And popping started in Fresno by Boogaloo Sam Solomon in 1975. And his brother, Timothy Poppin' Pete Solomon, was also very essential to the development of popping. So the distinction between popping and locking is difficult because they really originated almost simultaneously and in a similar environment. However, popping is more sharp, it's grounded, and it's more isolated than locking. So popping is definitely, it's accentuated by the tensing of muscles in a specific order, a specific body part. And we see that a little bit in locking, but locking also employs freezes in a different way than popping does. Um, so locking, there are longer pauses, there are more distinct poses, and it's also more performative. It is definitely more comedic as well. You see it's more playful and it's more... Um, for entertainment value than popping is. There's a lot of tricks in locking and it's definitely more frontal. You see it um, when it is performed especially. There's a lot of jump splits or just big jumps in general that are really flashy and then they hit these comedic poses that are similar to freezes in 
breaking, but they're definitely more for comedy and laughter. And um, they're very playful with their opponents or whoever they're performing for. And once again, popping is similar to this, but it definitely has much more continuous. And it's more about the tensing of muscles rather than the posing that they're actually hitting. And that's really the distinction that was made in the reading Urban Legend. And the third and final reading for this week was called The Multi-Ringed Cosmos of Crumping by Christina Zanfanga, I believe is how you say it, but I'm not sure if I'm correct. Um, but this was the most shocking reading for me. I didn't really have any background in what crumping is, what it looks like, where it came from, anything. I've heard the term, but I'm definitely not using the correct context. So in this reading, I learned that crumping was born kind of out of the 1992 Rodney King riot. So it's a little bit younger than popping and locking that came prior to this. And Thomas Johnson created um, clown dancing during in 1992, or clowning as he called it, um, where he would perform moves from popping, locking, um, strip dancing, and street styles at um, birthday parties. And so he would paint his face full clown costume and it was very social. It was performative. It was for kids. It was very fun. Um, you still see all of this grounded, hard hitting movements, but it's in a very playful way, similar to styles such as locking. And the, one of the most important parts of crumping that I learned was the importance of face paint. So it kind of grew out of clowning. And so obviously the clown makeup acts as a mask in this sense. And so Thomas Johnson wasn't Thomas Johnson and he was performing. He was whatever clown at that time and he was performing for the kids. He was a different character. And so crumping grew out of clowning and the differences kind of start with like the tribal face paint. So instead of the clown face paint, there was just more uh, tribal is more like linear or, geogra or geometric almost. So more shape driven, a little bit more abstract, um, but it still worked the same in the sense that it acted as a mask. It allowed people to express these deeper emotions such as anger or pain through hip hop styles and traditional hip hop moves that were in the same vein as clowning, but in a, they conveyed different emotions and allowed people to use their mask to express something without it becoming too personal or without them having to be so seen. Um, and there are lots of parallels between this and breaking that was on the East Coast, because I noticed one thing that stuck out to me from this reading was that the police really tried to suppress crumping as well, because they would perform in groups. They would it's um, they would get together and crump, essentially, and they would work through things. And it oftentimes could look very violent or it could. I mean, it was it was described as grotesque. It was sharp and emotional. And so the police kind of tried to suppress it because they did think it was going to lead to gang violence. Obviously that's not the purpose of it. It is the last possible thing on their mind when they're performing, but it was still something that was tried to suppress similar to how breaking was also um, trying to be suppressed. So crumping is hard for me to describe because I just can picture it and I can't really verbalize it because I feel like I'm not very familiar with it. But I think some notable features are it's very grounded. It's definitely, it's very fast. And it looks, I don't want to say flailing because there's a strength behind it, but it's very big. The entire body is moving and convulsing and it's very wholeheartedly there. It's, you can tell it's very emotional and it's an immersive experience, I think is a good way to describe it. And the reason this um, reading was titled the the multi-ringed cosmos of crumping is because of the importance of the ring to crumping 
So the ring can represent multiple things. Um, so in it could be like a boxing ring. So it can kind of simulate this idea of battling or fighting or working through things as well. But it can also be like a cipher, which is much more of a social or performative thing that is also seen in the East Coast style of breaking where people would battle there as well. So there's that similarity, but it can also be tied back to like the ring shout and more ritual dances with like African roots. And so those, as we discussed earlier in this podcast, have a very spiritual purpose. There was the concept of the ladder that every time they go into the circle or every time they perform one movement, they are getting deeper and deeper into some place, some either connecting to a higher power or letting go of something. And I think that is very relevant to crumping. And it's definitely something that people have talked about who are crumpers. So there were um, multiple quotes that were discussed that dancers would often lose themselves in the dance. And it wasn't necessarily what you'd imagine. I mean, hip hop, it didn't look a whole lot different to me as an unexperienced hip hop dancer than uh, from other styles of hip hop. But you could see how they almost, it looks like almost an out-of-body experience. You can see them getting really into a deeper place than you would imagine for hip-hop. And it really just goes to show that crumping isn't just a commercial fad, neither is hip-hop culture as a whole. I think it's important that it shows that there's, um, it's more than just performance, it's expression. And it's a way to connect the secular and the spiritual world, especially for the people who are performing this style of crumping. So a lot of different questions came up while doing these readings, and a lot of them were in relation to my understanding of these as separate styles. So it's hard for me to imagine them growing simultaneously, but them also being very separate. And so I've done a fair amount of like watching these different styles and trying to compare and contrast them. And I think I really encourage all of you to do that as well, because it is important to understand that these are very different things. I feel like I feel like if I were a part of the hip hop culture more deeply than I am with like say ballet culture, it would be the same as comparing like contemporary ballet to like classical ballet and where there are like similarities and there are themes, but there are definitely distinct differences as well. There are character traits that are always there. And so that is something that I have personally struggled with this week, but it's something that has come up a lot in all of the readings is the commercialization of these funk hip hop styles on the West Coast specifically, and how they have been commercialized and how that has changed the form and the culture. So a lot of times these styles will be put into music videos or films and that'll kind of change the image of them. And so we kind of discussed in brief today how they were put into movies such as Step Up. There's a Christina Aguilera um, music video, I believe. And there's just a whole lot of videos um, that have been put out there that claim to have this style of dancer or, and sometimes they are technically accurate, but putting them in this new space kind of changes the purpose of it. And um, when specifically examining crumping, the question was brought up is crumping still crumping when it isn't in the same space? Because for me, I think that crumping has a spiritual value that is unique to crumping and isn't really present in any other style of hip hop that we have covered thus far. So when you put that style of movement into a music video or into a film of some sort, I feel like it can't be as accurate to the roots. I feel like the people who are performing it might not have that same sense of spirituality, that same sense of connectivity as they would if they were doing it 
with their peers in their place of choice or where they normally practice it, which is in my brain, the streets, but that's not necessarily where it has to be, obviously. Um, and so that question, I feel like, I feel like it is a certain level of appropriation when hip hop styles get put onto film, specifically crumping. I think locking lends itself the most to film because it is already so performative and it tries to get a laugh out of whoever they are dancing for or dancing with. I mean, it was a party dance originally. And I think that can serve a purpose in film. For example, I think it would be a great use to put it in. I mean, you can put it in musicals or film to set a scene. I think having lockers in a club scene, even if it is for a film and there's um, dialogue as well, I think that can still be accurate in setting the scene and creating whatever the culture is and recognizing that as part of the scene that is moving along with the plot. I think that would be really helpful to make sure it is reflecting the actual form that it is a part of. And finally, the kind of the question I ended with is, can the commercialized and the street style coexist and be separate or should they be separate? And I don't think they can be separate, honestly. I think you can't have popping as a film and popping on the streets. I feel like they're definitely going to always mingle and influence each other. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think when we introduce these younger styles of movement to new streams of people, I think that can lead to new discoveries. And I think that won't always be a bad thing. I think um, there will be a lot of people who will take the time to get to know the history and we will be able to create new things out of that. But I think at the same time, we will get the opposite effect where there will be some appropriation and some disregard for the history. And I think it's just something we need to be aware of and do our best to educate ourselves and our peers and just anyone we know about and making sure all of these styles get the same respect and representation as everything else that we have discussed in dance history thus far. Um, but yeah, let me know your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.